All right, welcome back to another episode of In the Fire. It's a special one. It is currently Palm Sunday when we're recording, so we have these next two episodes for Easter set aside, uh, and that's what we're gonna we're gonna look at today. A, a miracle that's kind of connected to Easter. It'll lead into it. It's the raising of Lazarus from the dead. Very good one. Uh, there's a lot to talk about, so let's go ahead and bring in Justin and Thomas. How are you guys doing? I'm good. I'm excited. I am good and excited. Getting into some good stuff today. Oh, such I mean, good stuff. Everything we've what? talked about is good stuff. But... Yes, it, it all is. It's the word of God. It doesn't mm. get much better than that. Thanks be to uh, God. Amen. <laughs> so yeah, and things are getting, in terms of the miracles, things are getting serious. Um, they're kind of reaching a climax. I think we talked about last week uh, how things... You know, it's getting more dramatic and uh, more grand, these miracles are. And I guess Lazarus's raising from the dead is almost as big as it gets. Um, maybe second to Jesus' resurrection, which I believe we'll talk about next episode with our Easter topic. Um, I think that's a safe assumption. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can, you can safely bet on that, that Jesus' resurrection will be discussed. Um, yeah, so we're going to talk about Lazarus's resurrection today, sort of as some background. Uh, this is only talked about in one of the Gospels. It is the Gospel of John, but it takes up the entire chapter 11. Um, and it's a pretty meaty chapter. There are several, lots of verses in it, so we're not going to cover every single verse. We're going to pick out some of the important stuff or the things that I thought were important. Uh, those will be verses 1 through 5. 17 through 27, and 32 through 44. And then if we can get to it at the end, if we have time, 45 through 56, which is kind of leads into, you know, Palm Sunday and sort of the arrest warrant that Jesus has placed on him by the Pharisees and the chief priests. So Lazarus, uh, yeah, it covers a lot. Uh, sort of has some background. Um this is off of Wikipedia, so I don't remember who said these quotes, but the first one regarding this whole miracle is that this is sort of the resurrection that will lead to death, meaning Jesus' death, um, hmm. which will ultimately be another resurrection. But that's that's what I heard it called there. And then secondly, I also heard it called, actually, I think this is John Calvin who said this, that the miracle of Lazarus is a lively image of our future resurrection. Uh, so the resurrection that will lead to death, but also a lively image of our future resurrection, because the death which this resurrection leads to is ultimately Jesus' resurrection. Um, so yeah, we're going to go ahead and start reading it. As I mentioned, it's verses 1 through 5. I can go ahead and read that. Justin, if you want to <laughs> read 17 through 27, and then Thomas 32 through 44. Will do. <laughs> if we uh, have to. <laughs> are we reading them all right now? Or are we going to read them and then talk and then read and then talk? I think we'll just go in and read them all right now. Okay. Yeah. So bear with us. Try to pay attention. And <laughs> uh, I think it's best if we just cover, cover it all. Um, all right. All right. Starting at verse 1 in John chapter 11. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with, with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. 
When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And then, then chapter or verse 17. Verse 17. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Now Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come and who is to come into the world. 32 to 34, or 44. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. He was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. <laughs> Sorry about that. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus, Jesus wept. And so the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone. There, it was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead for dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you for, what, for, for that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, and I, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. When he, when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out. His hands and feet were bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. All right. Thank you, guys. Uh, so, yeah, there it is. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of good stuff in there. Obviously, it ends with Lazarus, sort of like Jesus did, He's coming out of a tomb, a stone being rolled away, and then coming out in white linen um, after being there for a few days. Um, <laughs> Justin, did you find the word odor to be funny? I just envisioned yes, there probably <laughs> would be a little bit of a stench. Well, yeah, um, that's... Do you guys have the translation where it says, "But Jesus, he stinketh." <laughs> No, I did not. <laughs> oh, I not. I forget what, what translation it is, but I, that, that always made me chuckle. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a good one. I wonder if that's the King James version. If it's, but I have heard that before. Um, but yeah, I think that, you know, the stench really points to how dead this, this guy was, which we'll mm. cover later. Um, I think really, if we look at the first five verses it sort of sets up the whole thing um and you guys can tell me what sticks out to you most throughout this whole thing but i think the verse 
when Jesus, verse four, when Jesus heard that, he said, the sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the son of God may be glorified through it. That's sort of a verse that sets the stage and sort of encompasses, you know, the purpose and meaning behind this whole miracle and why Lazarus died. Uh, but what, what stands out to you guys the most? What do you think the significance of this miracle is to you? Um, I, I think the main thing is that the whole idea of death not having the final say. And, you know, we see Jesus, obviously, I think probably just about everyone anywhere knows that, you know, the story of Jesus dying and being resurrected. But I think this story goes to that point, but also maybe makes it even a little more applicable to us because this is Lazarus, just like a normal a normal guy um, who dies. And we see that Jesus is able to overcome that death too. So, you know, I don't think it's any more or less impressive than him overcoming his own death, but it just is another example of it and um, is encouraging and, you know, just shows that he has that power over death. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. I think a big thing sticks out to me, and I did, we are recording this on a Sunday, and I did just come from a sermon where the, the pastor preached on this. But one thing that he stressed and that, that also sticks out to me when I read this is um, the raw emotion that, that Jesus, mm-hmm. like, and just like is shown throughout this whole story um, is very, very striking and something you don't necessarily always see in the Bible, but it's, it's very cool. So yeah. it is. It's a personal miracle. I also forgot or maybe didn't realize before how dramatic this is. Um, We recommend every week to go back and read what we're talking about, but we skipped some verses in here. And um, obviously we just read it the one time there at the start. So if you're listening, I say pause, read the whole thing closely because it's a very dramatic overall. I mean, there's a lot of things at play um, from Jesus to the disciples, to Mary and Martha, to, you know, the actual miracle itself and, the crowd of people watching who at this point are kind of out to get Jesus. And so there's just, there's a lot going on. (laughs) Mm -hmm. There is, it's very serious. I think the weight of Lazarus death weighs on everyone here, especially Mary and Martha and Jesus, but also it says the Jews that were surrounded, surrounded there who probably knew Lazarus. They were heavily felt, they, they heavily felt this death as well. Uh, And, Really, that's the main takeaway, and we'll get to this throughout because it's there's parts of this and I mean peppered throughout this entire chapter, is that Jesus has just strong feelings and compassion for Lazarus, maybe more so than any other time in the Bible to this point. Um, we see Jesus's emotion and really see how heavy it weighs on him, uh, and that's. That's something, yeah, those are, look at verse one and five, verses one through five again, that's sort of set up the whole thing. The two things I noticed is first, Jesus' strong compassion for Lazarus, as you guys mentioned. And something I just found out is that in these verses, when it says uh, Lazarus of Bethany, town of Mary and her sister Martha, and then verse two, it says, it was that Mary who anointed the Lord with with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. That actually is in john chapter 12 so that is that hasn't even happened yet um <laughs> it's yeah it's hey, look at that found interesting <laughs> uh john mentions it, it includes it in chapter 11 before he writes chapter um 12 before it even happens and i found interesting 
uh, discussion on it from John Piper, who says that that's really the first instance in this text of how Jesus is going to draw out the endearing, special, sweet, deep, precious relationship between Jesus and this family. Uh, John is reaching forward to get a remarkable moment. He's reaching forward from chapter 12 uh, when he's writing this to get a remarkable moment in the life of this woman who's going to love Jesus like that and mentions her that way here. So we can conclude at least this is special between Jesus and his family, especially Mary, and help explains how, you know, the emotion that Jesus feels throughout, throughout this chapter. Yeah. Yeah. Which I found really cool. And then also in these first five verses, the other thing that sticks out to me is the glorious purpose of Lazarus's sickness. You know, many of the miracles we've, we've covered the, this question before, why does God allow bad things to happen in this series on Jesus' miracles? Because it deals with physical healing, but also to be healed from something like that, you have to endure the physical pain or the uh, mental illness or the disabilities and he confronts these miracles, confront the difficult question, why does God allow bad things to happen to us? And ultimately, uh, here, where someone is dying, Lazarus is dying, it's maybe has more, this question has even more meaning because it's more than just an illness. It's an illness that brings death. But Jesus actually says, no, the sickness is not unto death. So you can see the glorious purpose throughout, and we'll get to it. We'll, we'll have a bigger idea of it at the end. Uh, but you can see that obviously the sickness does not lead to death, but it's for the glory of God. Uh, and so being able to understand like what Lazarus goes through, he dies and he's going to die again because he got raised and then he'll die at his <laughs> actual death, uh, but then get resurrected in heaven. Like sickness, any of the sicknesses that we saw in the miracles or death that happens in this miracle um, shows the glory of God. And, uh, I think, you know, it's important to have the mind frame when you when you understand, you know, the sweet joy and glory that comes out of this miracle that you can undergo anything uh, because in the end we know that we'll endure it for the glory of God and that'll work out for our good. And Lazarus, we see it, you know, front and center here in this miracle. Yeah, I think to that point, um, when reading verses five and six or verse, through verse five, we didn't read verse six. But one thing that really hit me was verse five says, now, so um, Jesus finds out Lazarus is sick. And then verse five says, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Um, and I would think that those verses would normally read like Jesus heard Lazarus is sick. So he immediately left to go heal him. Right. One would think that's what would happen. He loves his family. He loves Lazarus. And if he knows he's deathly ill, you know, you just expect him to say, okay, I can, I can go take care of this. But instead it says, because he heard what was happening, he stayed two more days before he went. And I think Peter, to that point, it shows there's a greater divine purpose here because Jesus with his, you know, kind of divine sovereignty foresight he knows that there's a greater plan here and he knows the greater good that will come out of it if lazarus dies and is dead for four days and jesus gets there at that point and raises him from the dead he can see to that happening um and we as as humans can't but uh, i i do have i think we're going to get a few of these um but charles spurgeon quote here oh i think we have several today 
Um, we do. But this one, he says, we should have said that the sickness was unto death, unto death, but ultimately to the glory of God. But he who sees the end from the beginning streaks with a grandeur of style, which could not be imitated by us. So the Lord speaks of things not as they seem to be, nor even as they are in the present moment, but as they shall be in the long term. So, you know, he hears Lazarus sick and is sick, and that triggers him to say, all right, now is my time to stay for a few days and then go and bring something even greater out of this, as difficult as it may be. So, you know, the, the pain and uh, physical pain and emotional pain it will cause Jesus is Jesus, so he knows what's going to happen and what greater good can come from it. Yeah, I think that's that's awesome right there, and that's really you know part of the heart of this whole miracle is Lazarus, Jesus letting Lazarus die, but ultimately working it for a greater divine purpose that isn't unto death, not just to Lazarus' death, but also to Lazarus' rising and ultimately, you know, our resurrection that this sort of mimics or it shows, and it shows that Jesus can, is capable of raising people from the dead, um, just like he is about raising, capable of raising us from our spiritual death. And yeah, I think also part of the delay of letting Lazarus die is it increases the the pain that's felt by Mary and Martha and Jesus, because Jesus has empathy for Mary and Martha and the other Jews who are grieving this death. At the time, they have no idea, no understanding that someone can be raised from the dead. They've seen Jesus perform other miracles, but it's death that really hasn't been overcome yet. But Jesus obviously is about to do that, and that's why he lets Lazarus die, ultimately to show that he can overcome death. Um, yeah, so it's setting up the ultimate miracle, but through that, to get there, there has to be a delay, and that delay will cause pain. Absolutely. It will. Yeah. All right, so we can get on to verses 17 through 27 now. Again, the fact that Jesus waited, as you mentioned, Justin, a few days to let Lazarus die. Um comes up again in verses 17 through 27 when uh, Martha converses with Jesus because Martha says the important thing here, Lord, if you had been here, my mother would not, have, or my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give us. Um, so yeah, I think that's such an awesome thing that Martha says here. Um, I think we can look to her and see that she has trust in Jesus and we can set that example for us. It's natural, as Martha does, to question, uh, I think in our human state, to question God for why he lets bad things happen to us and the ones we love. But we must see the bigger picture and why everything God does for and to us works out for our good and his glory, uh, which we see a lot of here. And ultimately, you know, the entire Bible is... Um, set up so that once you see the end, you see the bigger picture that God has seen from the beginning, going back to that Charles Spurgeon quote, um, that God sees in the long run. When we humans are in the present moment, uh, I think, you know, we look at Martha, we look at the entire Bible, we can see that the bigger picture was in mind and that there was greater divine purposes bringing out God's glory and ultimately our salvation through all the bad things that happen in the Bible. And this is just another snapshot of a bad thing that happens here. But when Martha says, um, 
But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. I think that's Martha saying, okay, I'm going to put my trust in you. I may not know what you're doing or why you didn't come earlier, but I'll trust in your ways over my own, which is commendable and something that I think, you know, all Christians uh, should set as an example for. Yeah, um, I agree. And I think, you know, Martha's faith is commendable because what we see is not her saying uh, to Jesus, listen, Lazarus died, but you're Jesus. So I have faith that you can raise him from the dead. That's She doesn't ask for that. Her faith is not contingent on Jesus um, giving her a great gift in the moment or anything. Instead, it's contingent on this long-term belief that what happened was meant to happen and what will happen is supposed to happen. You know, um, the idea, whatever you ask of God, God will give you. And then I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. It's a very long-term faith. Um, And I think she's, she's kind of rewarded for it in the moment too, when Jesus raises Lazarus. Right. Um, but she's not expecting that to happen in the moment. She doesn't ask for it specifically to happen, but she shows her faith here and she's challenged a little bit, I think. Um, and, and Mary's challenged too. you know, they, I do get a sense of, you know, she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. I don't know if there's a little bit of like, where were you? Um, why, why weren't you here then? But, but then she overcomes that you have come now though. And, um, that is good. And then later on, we see when Jesus is take away the stone, Martha says, Lord, by this time, there's a stench for he has been dead four days. She doesn't quite get what's going on, but she's still going to have the faith to do what Jesus is telling her to do and to listen to him. So I think she's challenged here in her faith, but she responds very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's part of the grieving process. If, um, for anyone who's lost, I guess, someone close to them, a loved one, uh, you know, to say like, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Or like, Lord, why did you let him die? And I think that's just something that comes out of maybe just naturally coping with loss. Um, but she, I think Martha can see that bigger picture. And that's that long run faith that you mentioned, Justin. Um, and I do think it's cool that you said, you know, she was rewarded for it because Lazarus eventually was, you know, raised from the dead shortly thereafter. Um, which I think is really cool. Yeah. I also love here the, uh, the fifth of the seven great I am statements. I feel like whenever we were in John and one of these comes up, I always, I always mention it. <laughs> I just love the I am statements it's beautiful mm-hmm. uh this is like i am the resurrection and the life and then like whoever believes in me though he die yet yet he shall live and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die do you believe this he said yes lord i believe that you have come to christ the son of god who is coming into the world and i just kind of go off what you guys have already been talking about but like that's that's just another just like picture of her faith right that like just as Justin said, she's not believing in God to that Lazarus is raised from the dead. She's just believing in Christ. And then Mm -hmm. because of that, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Um, And also like 
and we're, we're probably going to get into this later, but like it's a, it's a primer for his own resurrection where it's like here he's like, look, I have power over the dead. And then later it's going to be like he is the power over the dead. Like he, he can do it to himself. Um, he's that powerful, which is which is really cool. But yeah, I just wanted to mention the, the I am statement right after it, that he is the resurrection of life. And then this is kind of like the the part of the sermon where the, the pastor will like get up and, and talk about like a, a picture of like how like um, like it, I'm trying to, a, a real world <laughs> example, but like his real world example is like actually like raising Lazarus from the dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's more of a, it's a divine example. So it's yeah. Really cool. Yeah, it's a it's a powerful statement if you think of all that's behind it. Like Jesus is the life, and He is the resurrection, and He is life after resurrection too. Um, you know, it's there's a lot to unpack in that simple statement. Too much than for what we have time here for, I think. But um, it's a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, similar to the verse uh, in the first set of verses that I looked at. This is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it i think that verse i am the resurrection of life who believes in me that we may die he shall live is the like the paramount verse of this set of verses here if that makes sense um and that yeah by saying i am the resurrection and the life uh like jesus saying like that's that his physical person his being is the resurrection and the life which means that you know the only way to have resurrection and life is literally in jesus in that body that died and rose again, which I think is pretty cool. And I think this, uh, like Thomas, you mentioned, this miracle shows that Jesus does have power over the dead and it builds up to what he is capable of doing at the cross where he has power over his own death and he can rise and have power over uh, our spiritual death as well. Um. A couple other points I wanted to make about the timing and why Jesus let Lazarus die, even though he could have come to Bethany earlier and healed healed Lazarus, um, is that we'll get this at the end. This verse, it's kind of to threaten the Pharisees to let um, to let Lazarus die and then raise him from the dead. Like that is such an astounding miracle and the greatest miracle that we've seen to date. And for the Pharisees to learn about this and know about this, it threatens them and their <laughs> power to an even greater extent this miracle did. Um, it's a pretty significant mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. It's, the Pharisees are they're in a losing battle at this point. Um, and they really their only choices that they feel is to get Jesus arrested and kill him, which ultimately... ultimately hurts them even more you know <laughs> um it makes it makes their situation even worse uh, which i think is funny um and then in the same vein just waiting for lazarus to die rather than just healing really emphasize rather than just healing his sickness but healing his death uh, emphasizes just how miraculous this is again pointing back to the increasing drama of his miracles um i took this from the david Guzik, I guess he wrote this, um, or he included 
a quote from someone who did. Uh, but the quote is, he, he, Jesus, knew the Jewish superstition of that day that said a soul stayed near the grave for three days, hoping to return to the body. Therefore, it was accepted that after four days, there was absolutely no hope of <laughs> resuscitation. Um, so Lazarus is, he's dead, dead. And again, going back to that stench or odor um, that Lazarus stuck it also, also shows, you know, they're, they know that Lazarus is dead. Like he is, He's stinky dead. <laughs> yes. He is beyond life at this point, um, which makes this, again, emphasizes the miraculous nature of this. Yeah, actually, if you read, this goes to that, the idea of Jesus waiting here until Lazarus is dead. Verse 14, Jesus is talking to the disciples and says, Jesus said to them, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sake that I was not there that you may believe. Um, it's not Jesus being glad that he's dead, but being glad at what's going to happen out of it. And I found another quote here from G. Campbell Morgan, a theologian from the 19th century and early 20th century, who said, So we may learn that he often permits us to pass into profounder darkness and deeper mysteries of pain in order that we, in order that we may prove more perfectly his power. So Jesus, this is a pretty clear picture of Jesus allowing something to happen that, you know, we would see in this world as bad. So this guy, Lazarus dies. We, I think normally people would say that's a bad thing. Um, and he, he could have prevented it, just like he could prevent a lot of things, but he lets it happen. He arrives there afterwards because he knows that the deeper sorrow that will happen, the, the deeper darkness and more profound mystery that will come as a result of Lazarus's death will be, will just result itself in something even greater than could have happened if he just prevented him from dying. Um, so there's, again, there's a lot at play in this miracle and that's, that's one of the many things. Absolutely. Uh, it's a bad thing in the moment, just like many bad things that happen in the Bible, but ultimately it works out for good. And, you know, my usual analogy that I use for this is, uh, like it's Friday, but Sunday is coming or when Jesus is dead on Saturday, like Saturday is silent. Um, which is from the song rattle, which is one of my favorite worship songs, <laughs> but it said, yeah, Saturday is silent. There's this Friday and there's Saturday where Jesus is still in the grave and he's dead. But we know now that Sunday came and sin was defeated for good. So, yeah, this is a struggle in the moment. And that's why there is so much pain felt by Mary and Martha and other people who are near Lazarus in this story. But Jesus knows the bigger picture. God knows the bigger picture. Uh, and waiting by waiting and letting Lazarus die and, you know, stay dead, uh, it's building up to an even greater outcome than what the initial event of Lazarus's death was. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, do you guys have anything else to say on those 17 through 27 before we move on to 32 and 44? I don't think so. Nope. All right. So if you remember in those previous set of verses, Martha asked Jesus um, if you had been here, or tells Jesus if you had been here, Lazarus could be still be alive. And then in verses 32, we pick up with Mary saying a similar thing. Mary came down, comes down to Jesus and says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And then 
verse 37, some of the Jews who are there said, cannot this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? So this is a similar theme. Uh, I also think this points to um, them seeing death as the in- unconquerable feat. Like they think it's it's completely over now. There's no chance that Lazarus could come back to life. But if Jesus were here where Lazarus was alive, he could heal Lazarus and keep him alive. Um, and so, you know, they just didn't, didn't have a recollection that this was possible, that someone coming back from the dead were possible. Uh, so that's, again, continues that theme. And then Mary and Martha, they just express such, and Jesus here, they just express such raw emotion. Again, probably more so than any other time to this point in the Bible. Jesus expresses raw emotion later on when he's you know, in the Garden of Gethsemane and when he's on the cross. Uh, but here you see, you see him, he's weeping uh, and he's groaning and he, he feels the pain that Mary and Martha themselves are feeling too. Uh, those are really the key things here that I, that I noticed in these set of verses. Yeah, uh, again, I think that to that point, this, the whole thing puts death in perspective. Um, we see the reaction to everyone to the death. As you said, Peter, an unconquerable feat to raise someone from the dead. Um, it's just it's just not possible would be the, the idea. And uh, our friend, Mr. Spurgeon, um, with this, you know, thought concept of the perspective of death you know, from where you stand with it, he says, death comes to the ungodly man as a penal infliction but to the righteous as a summons to his father's palace. To the sinner, it is an execution. To the saint, an undressing. Death to the wicked is the king of terrors. Death to the saint is the end of terrors, the commencement of glory. Mm. He has quite the words for every situation, um, but it makes me think of like when Stephen is stoned and um, we see his, re- his reaction to dying. We know Paul's stance on death. Um, and, you know... Um, He's he welcomes it, <laughs> and in, in ancient Rome, when you know they would kill the Christian martyrs, we know that they would go happily to their deaths, no matter how brutal they were, because they knew what was on the other side. Um, and not all of us are going to be raised from the death in this world, like Lazarus. I would venture a guess that none of us will be. <laughs> um, but Jesus is just his straight power over death, which you know seemed so impossible until this point shows that perspective um, and then how insignificant it can be um, when you know God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think, yeah, I think it's very cool. The, um, the, the dichotomy of what, Mary says to what Martha said because they say the same thing. Yep. But like Mary is just overcome with grief and she's still in the in the grieving process. Um, but something from the, the message today for me, uh, the the word here used for deeply moved in verse 33 is also the same one used for like greatly like troubled or like troubled um, as in like the man waits by the pool for when the, when the waters are troubled where which shows the presence of an angel. And then if you get in uh, you're healed, but he was like waiting, but somebody always gets in before him. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> but 
Like it, it, Jesus is, it's the same word for, for how, what, how, what Jesus is experiencing here about being greatly troubled, um, which is very moving for me in, in that like God is moved by our emotions, you know, like yeah. he saw Mary and just like in her, in her grief and her weeping and it meant something to him. He saw that and he recognized it and he was, he, he himself was moved and greatly troubled by it and he was stirred up. And then like he, he says, where have you put him? And then he like, they see, and then Jesus weeps and like he, he allows himself to experience the pain and the loss that Mary and Martha have gone through is he also loved Lazarus. And this is the same kind of love that he loves us deeply with. And it, and that's, that should be moving for us that we have a, a God who is willing to sit with us in our grief and weep with us. And it's, it's very cool. Yeah. I just want to, I want to spend some time emphasize because I don't think that can be emphasized enough. And that's really what hit me deeply when I read this. It's that you're seeing Jesus who is fully God and fully man at the same time, having these human emotions, but it's also the emotions of God. You can see that we can we can relate to because they are human emotions. But you can see the emotions of God pour out over this death that Lazarus has because God sees how troubled and how painful Mary and Martha uh, are in this moment. Um, yeah, as Christians, like we know, like if one of our family members who's a believer dies, and we know you know they're going to heaven, like yeah, that's awesome. But also in the moment, it's you're separated from them until you die and go to heaven yourself. And that's painful because they're no longer there. And I think yeah. Mary and Martha are expressing this raw emotion. Um, even Martha says, you know, back in the previous set of verses, she says, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. So Martha knows that Lazarus, you know, he was a believer. and He'll rise again. But I mean, anyone who's lost a close family member or friend can relate to the pain that she's still feeling because... She's has to live the rest of her life without her brother, who she loves so deeply in his life. Um, and Jesus feels that same pain because Jesus loved Lazarus so deeply and loves Martha. And it's not easy on Jesus. Several times we see the words, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Jesus wept. He again groaned in himself. Um, and Thomas, going back to what you mentioned, that sort of that translation, I found a similar Thing in the commentary that I read in the Blue Letter Bible, um, <laughs> but says that used here, the word used for groaning, New Testament points rather to a quiet weeping. Jesus did not wail loudly; he was deeply grieved. And then another one: it's more accurate to say that Jesus was angry. Jesus was angry and troubled at the destruction and power of the great enemy of humanity, which is death. Uh, and Jesus would soon break this dominating power of death. But I think that going back to that pain, that separation for the rest of your life, like Mary and Martha will not, from as far as they know, they're not going to be with Lazarus anymore. That pain is because of the power of the great enemy of humanity, death, that dominates us because we live in a fallen, broken world where things like that have to happen and we experience those emotions. But Jesus is here to break that dominating power here when he raises Lazarus, but also by allowing us to be resurrected in heaven again and see 
these wonderful people that we loved again, um, I think, you know, points to just how deeply Jesus felt about us and why God saves us because he doesn't want us to be separated from him. Ultimately, yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, earlier I said that, you know, seeing what Jesus does here and then when he dies and is resurrected from that perspective, you know, what Jesus does makes death look so insignificant, but in reality, in real life, there's so much, you know, again, emotion, there's so much, you know, you think of someone dying, it always feels so final. And I think that's such a natural thing. We see Jesus here, obviously being incredibly grieved at what's happening, not just at Lazarus's death, but also at the fact that these people who he loves, Mary and Martha, they're also grieving as they are. So I think, you know, that shows it's okay. We see Jesus, you can almost picture him going into Lazarus's um, grave up here, going to it, and just as he gets there, realizing the full impact of what's happened as one of those people he loves most who has died. And even Jesus takes a moment to recognize the importance of that. Um, he's grieved in his spirit. You can see him like walking up there. I can picture him walking up there and before he does this, taking just taking a moment to himself, like a deep breath and realizing what's going on. We also see at Jesus' death, God responding to his son's death in a similar way. God himself, you know, the clouds come and cover as God looks away and even God is deeply troubled and deeply grieved at the at death. So it's a it's a natural it's a natural thing to do that and a big thing. Um, it's probably the biggest thing that happens to any of us dying, um, and so the grieving is is all there and it's all good and healthy and natural. And um, but Jesus can overcome it. It's the good thing. Yeah, I think what's really beautiful about this is again going back to that that pain of separation when someone you love dies that -hmm. jesus empathized with because he saw it so deeply in mary and martha i think you know jesus can bear the thought of lazarus staying dead or being separated because he loved lazarus so much and he sees mary and martha love lazarus so much and so jesus takes action and raises him from the dead but that doesn't happen to i mean that's not going to happen if your loved one dies now like you are going to be separated from them until you get resurrected again um but i think this points to this parallel is a greater example of separation and that's god's love for us like jesus god doesn't want us to be separated from him forever much like mary and martha think lazarus will be separated uh from them but god doesn't want and but eventually like they'll reunite um and he'll be they know that lazarus will be resurrected eventually but jesus or god doesn't want us to be separate forever because he knows that you know you look at just the physical or mental emotional toll that it took on mary and martha here that separation imagine that separation that god would feel if we die and we're far from him and can't get back to him so i think you know that same emotion that same pain is what god felt and why he sent jesus into the world to save us so that we could be reunited with him because he loves us so deeply Yeah. Yeah. All right. Do you guys have anything else to say on the miracle itself before we sort of 
mentioned how this leads into Jesus' death, how it sets that up? You know, I don't think so. I think, again, it just shows the place of death in our spiritual journey and our, you know, the place in, in eternity and then the place of Jesus in eternity and Jesus's superiority over all of it. Um, it's a good miracle. You know, read it again, read it again before Easter, especially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd like to, I'd like to read a little bit of, of chapter 12 here. Yeah. It is Palm Sunday. Um, but also because uh, it, it shows kind of, why people were there on Palm Sunday. So the next day, the large, this is at John 12, 12 through 19. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written. Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered these things which had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they had heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. And so like the reason why there was a crowd for Jesus to enter into um, was because he raised Lazarus from the dead. So the resurrection was not only everything that we've been talking about um, up to this point on this podcast, but it's also something that served as a springboard for Jesus's entrance into Jerusalem and ultimately the thing that started to really get him killed by, by the Pharisees and, and the people in Jerusalem. So it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that point back, that callback to Lazarus there. Like that's the reason why these crowds are so big. And because the crowds are so big, the Pharisees feel so threatened that Jesus is uh, good at take their power, I guess. Um, and that, yeah, that is sort of a springboard for his arrest. And um, yeah, I'm also going to, because this very connects greatly to what you just read, Thomas, uh, sort of the final verses on chapter 11, um, which this grouping is 45 through 57 verses. I can go ahead and read them, but they're called the prophet to Jesus. Um, and this is right after Lazarus, comes out of the grave or the immediately the immediate verse following that and it reads then many of the jews who had come to mary and had seen the things jesus did believed in him but some of them went away to the pharisees and told them the things jesus did then the chief priests and the pharisees gathered council and said what shall we do for this man worked many sounds if we let him alone like this everyone will believe him and the romans will come and take away both our place and nation uh which is sort of i guess what you see in palm sunday you see all these people who bore witness to this miracle, believing in him. And that's why there's so there's such a big crowd around Jesus and the Pharisees feel threatened. Uh, and then verse 49, and one of them, Caiaphas, being high priest that year, said to them, you know nothing at all, nor do you consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people and not that the whole nation should perish. Now this he did 
did not say on his own authority, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation, and not for that nation only, but also that he would gather together one of the children of God who were scattered abroad. And one of the children of God who were scattered abroad. Then from that day on, they plotted to put him to death. Therefore, Jesus no longer walked openly among the Jews, but went from there into the country near the wilderness to a city called Ephraim, and there remained with his disciples. And the Passover of the Jews was near, and many went to the country up to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. Then they sought Jesus and spoke among themselves as they stood in the temple. What do you think, that he will not come to the feast? Now both the chief priests and the Pharisees had given a command that if anyone knew where he was, he should report it, and that they might seize him. And so Jesus knows that um, the Pharisees are now out to get him after this miracle of Lazarus. It's so big that that the end result here is the Pharisees putting out, you know, an arrest warrant for Jesus because they want to kill him. So Jesus hides. And then his next, I guess his next appearance is in the next chapter in those verses that you mentioned, Palm Sunday, mm-hmm. which is when the stakes really begin to grow. And the crowd is huge because they know the miracles that Jesus had performed. They know who and is. They know that he is the son of God or those who believe in him at least. And the Pharisees, you know, they find this out because Jesus has now made a public appearance and the Pharisees now know where he is. And um, that leads into, again, Palm Sunday and then, again, sets up his arrest and ultimately his crucifixion and resurrection. Yeah, again, it goes to the drama of this whole thing because even before Jesus goes to Judea, his disciples are like, why do you want to go back here or to go see Lazarus? Because the people there last time they saw you, they were going to stone you. Um, and actually, right as Jesus and the disciples are leaving to go to Mary, Martha, and Lazarus here, Thomas, one of the disciples, says, okay, let us go that we may die with him. So they, they're like, if we go here, Jesus, we're going to die. And it's, Jesus is going to die soon thereafter. But again, the whole drama at this point in Jesus' ministry, it's starting to get to this point where I think Peter, as you read, the Pharisees didn't openly plot to kill Jesus until this point. But before it seemed to be that it was going to happen. And even with that about to happen, Jesus goes and does his biggest miracle yet, which I'm sure he knows will put him squarely on the top of the Pharisees hit list Mm -hmm. um, if he wasn't already there. But I think it shows a lot of conviction and courage on his part and the disciples who go with him here um, to go ahead and do this. Cause it's a big crowd that sees this happen. Jesus makes it, it's a very public miracle um, to go to this tomb with all these people and for him to pray loudly and announce loudly, Lazarus come out. It's, it's a big step and a huge moment and very dramatic. Um, it would, it would have been something to have been there when this happened. Indeed. Yeah, it's the drama is heightened to uh, a massive extent. And when we look back at this, the course of the or the timeline of the miracles happening, um, one of the things that we picked up on is that Jesus, it's very calculated who we perform these miracles in front of. Um, and when he does them, he doesn't perform his first one until he was like, what, 30 years old. Um, and that's when it was just at the wedding with his family around. So he didn't want a ton of people to see it. And then some of the other miracles he performed, he says, don't tell this to anyone, to the people, some of the people he heals. Um, 
And then some of the other miracles he only does in front of his disciples, uh, like we looked at last week or when he's on the water. Um, and so it's, but slowly, you know, his, the crowd starts to form and Jesus, I think he does this and he waits to do it at the right time to, you know, he picks and chooses like where, you know, where he wants to do the miracles and how big the crowd wants to be. And it's slowly, slowly building up, building up, building up to this point where, um, and the Pharisees know about him, not only like they don't doubt his miracles anymore. I think, you know, before they may have opposed him because they thought he was not actually performing his miracles or he was a hypocrite or a liar or whatever uh, and spreading false information, whatever it may be. But now because Jesus is the Messiah and they know the Pharisees know that because the, there's so many crowds bearing witnesses to it. And I'm sure some of the Pharisees themselves have seen the miracles because they know that they oppose him now which was that they're posing for the opposite reason before, but they feel so threatened and their, uh, their power feels so threatened because they know that the true power of Jesus um, now, and you know, it climaxes um, here in Lazarus being able to raise someone from the dead and then ultimately climaxes with his resurrection. Boom. Boom. There you go. You guys have any closing thoughts? No. I'm all good. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I can go ahead and pray us on out. All right. Dear Father, uh, thank you for this day, for this Palm Sunday, um, and getting a chance to learn and grow in our faith as we read and talk about your word and your wonderful miracles. Lord, thank you for being able to conquer death once and for all, thank you for the love that you have for us, that you don't want us to be separated from you. You care about us so deeply that you sent your son uh, to save us. And may we cherish that all the more, all the time, but may we especially you know, feel that tremendous beauty uh, this week as we head into Easter. Uh, in your name I pray, amen. 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 All right, Thomas. Hello. Our listeners reach us if they want to connect with us. So, so many ways, mainly two, one email, three, the number three in the fire at gmail.com. And then our Instagram page, which is just in the fire. Podcast. Podcast. My bad. <laughs> in the fire podcast. Uh, please DM us, reach out to us with questions, email us. Uh, if you want us to cover a topic, we totally will. Um, it might be a while. We have so many flooding in, just like they're coming <laughs> crazy. Uh, the podcast is exploding. Uh, maybe you've heard of uh, our top ratings that, that if you like it, you should totally give us a rating. Right now, we have only fives, probably. Um, <laughs> All five stars for good reason, probably. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, please, uh, we wanna we wanna interact with you guys if if you're listening, but. Uh, if you don't want to interact with us, we'll still keep pumping out podcasts for you. Um, and also, we are we are praying for y'all, and you are cool. So thank you for tuning in. Big thanks. Happy shout-outs. Um, any, anything else? I yeah, think you covered it. Yeah. All right. Like Thomas said, you guys are very cool if you've made it this far. Listening <laughs> to us. So thank you. Um, connect with us if you want. You just heard where to do it. Uh, yeah we hope you guys have a great week 
Easter Sunday, and we'll talk to you next episode. Goodbye. Bye.